Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I am doing well. A pretty little snowfall outside, and the temperature is going down, down, down. It's already about 11, and they're saying it's going to get even colder tonight. 
Oh wow. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. we have an we have an oh wow guest coming to talk to us at nine o'clock tonight in an hour and a half from now. We're gonna be talking with Beth Kramer. I've just mm-hmm. been browsing through her book, Why Didn't I Notice Her Before? A memoir about dying to live. Beth was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And um you know her they predicted that she would live from months to years and I think she has quite outlived that diagnosis and we're gonna hear about that. And um she is not just sitting still. She launched Brave Films. And um in fact, um Brave Films helped her get through her ovarian cancer diagnosis. Um, I was just reading about how she said, okay, so um, instead of just, you know, it being her, she was going to make it a story. And so when she, you know, went for procedures, it wasn't her having the procedures. It was the character in her story that she was filming that was having the procedures. And it reminded me very much of um, my lover, Fern, who was diagnosed with stage four cervical cancer. And as a filmmaker and especially a videographer, that is what she turned to. She said, "Okay, let's let's video it. You know, let's interview you. Let's interview Marie Summerwood about macrobiotics. Let's interview the radiologist. Let's interview me. Let's, you know, let's get it down because that was um, a way that helped her to feel that she was not being swept away by something totally out of her control." Mhm. Mhm. So did she have all that recorded someplace for everybody to access it or was that just for her own information? Well, the organization that she started was called Water, Women's Access to Technology um something resources. Mhm. W A T E R. And um, I suspect that if water is still in existence in Austin, Texas, that um, the videos are there as well as probably several dozen videos she made of me doing herbal things. This is way before YouTube. Mm hmm So uh, that would be interesting yeah. if if that's still there and available. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Although – yeah. Although, you know, the stuff about her and the diagnosis and the treatment was, of course, not making us feel wonderful. It, it was It's excellent work, but it, it didn't bring us emotional joy, in fact, to uh, have to deal with that. I just read uh, Marie Summerwood's A Memorial in Lesbian Connection, and... Um, they said that uh, Marie has gone to join Fern. Mm-hmm. So I hope they I hope they they'll both be there when I get there. Although I hope that mm-hmm. will be great great many years from now. Um, yeah. And of course, da, 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 da. abundantly well is printed, bound, shipped, and has been received at uh, the distributors the several of our distributors, um, including, I would think, Amazon. 
Um, and so it's on its way out to bookstores and to people who have pre-ordered at Amazon. And we're going to get delivery on Thursday. And if you pre-ordered a copy of Abundantly Well, we're going to send it out to you, priority mail. It will probably take us most of the weekend to get the labels on the books, so I don't think we'll be able to get them in the mail on Friday. Although, who knows, maybe we'll be so inspired we'll stay up all night, put them <laughs> in priority mail envelopes, stick those labels on there, and get them off to you. But don't hold your breath anymore. Abundantly Well is about to be in your hands. Hey! Great time of year to get it, right? It's solstice, right, when people are doing lots of reading. I find, like, this is, like, the most potent time of year for me personally to, like, you know, to, like, learn and take stuff in. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I had wanted it to be a Halloween baby, it it said, no, I'm sorry. You know, we run late in your family. <laughs> Mine too. Let <laughs> <laughs> <What> me <you> say <laughs> Just be patient a little while longer. This gets more potent that way, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Well, we have some people online waiting with questions. And if you have a question, well, make sure to press. Press one. Yes. Are you ready press for one. the first question? I am. Okay, let's do it. Uh, the first caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hi, good evening, Susan. Hi. So I have, like, I didn't know what it was, but today I went to the dentist to find out. I have, like, burning pain in my mouth and ulcers. Um, Ouch. And, yeah, very painful. And I was using, like, yarrow, which I learned from you. Thank you. And I haven't yet seen, um, like, improvement yet. And I have this already for two weeks, so that's why I went today just to get it diagnosed. And uh-huh. he said it's fungal, um, you know, fungal infection with ulcers, and he prescribed niacin. And I just kindly, kindly refused that uh, prescription. Um, and I'm wondering which uh, herbs could be my allies to help me out. I I'm use, I'm doing the infusions. It's hard for me to talk. It's hard for me to swallow. Everything's just so painful, and I, I'm praying every day that I get to the other side real soon that this sort of heals. But um, a lot of times you 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 mention like sort of like the story, and an interesting story came to me two days ago of like I I also suffer from endometriosis, and was interesting. I felt it's coming. My body's like getting rid of it. And somehow, like that, a lot of that, whatever it is, ended up in my mouth. It was just like a very, I don't know what it, what it is, but it just came to me. Like I didn't think about it. And I said, oh, if that's the case, I, I guess I can handle this pain a little better to swap for that pain. But I sort of need to get rid of this, too. So that's just, um, I just wanted to share that thought with you. And I'm all ears to hear anything that you have to advise me with, um, with what I could do next. The heroic tradition is fed to us at such a young age that we mistake it for our own thoughts. Endometriosis is not a fungal infection. It doesn't become a fungal infection. 
your body cannot get rid of endometriosis, and it cannot turn it into anything else. Those are all heroic ideas in which we are at war with our body, Mm -hmm. and we have to cleanse, and you have to get worse before you get better. And many of us imbibe these very early on as part of our religious training, unfortunately. And, of course, because they make an awful lot of money for practitioners, they are one of the predominant alternative ways of thinking. Mm, okay, thanks for clarifying. Remember Andrew Weil um, in his book, uh, Natural Health, Natural Medicine, talking about being in a spa. And he was in the hot tub with a young man. And they had gotten up and sat on the edge of the hot tub. And a third young man came in and said to the young man Andy was with, oh, let me give you a foot massage. And, of course, the man's feet were, you know, really sopping wet. And the, the young man didn't have very good technique and actually wound up rolling some of the skin off the man's feet because he was using <laughs> pressure to remove toxins, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, so they were there for a while, and Andy watched this man's feet superate. Right, get infected, get nasty. The young man who had given him a massage said, that's the toxins coming out of your body. And Andy took him aside and said, that's not toxins coming out of your body. That is an infection, that's bacteria, and that's fungus. And you didn't need to take some antibiotics now. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, that's that's a good clarification. Thank you. I, I like your analogies. Yeah. So, herbs are not really strongly fungicidal. I Mm -hmm. have a chat group at Enchanted Forest, which meets on the third Monday of each month, which was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this year, 2019, we have been focusing on medicinal flowers. And, of course, for the month of December, well, we had to focus on poinsettia. And uh, we dispelled the myth that poinsettia is poisonous. And, in fact, that it was grown and used and has some scientific uh, evidence that it is fungicide. So you should be able to go out and buy poinsettia. How do you and that? brew up. The leaves, they can be green, they can be red, and there can be stalk in it. Mm-hmm. And use that as a mouthwash and see if that helps you get rid of the fungus. Okay. How do you spell that name of that herb? I'm not familiar with it. Yes, you are. Which one is it? Poinsettia. Poinsettia? Okay. Have you been to a store in the past week? Yes. Are there plants for sale there that are red on the top? Yes. What are they called? I don't know. Poinsettias. Okay. Okay, so just brew it up and have it as a mouth rinse. I'll do that. That sounds great. Brew it up and use it as a mouthwash. Okay. Okay? We're not talking about drinking it. Right, right, as a mouthwash, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. In general, one of the things that I talk about in every single chapter of Abundantly Well, is setting a time limit. Mm -hmm. And also being willing to change that time limit if it seems like what we're doing isn't being effective. 
Mm-hmm. So certainly a good idea to start with yarrow, but two weeks, that's not yeah. very long. Way yeah. too long. Way too long. Yeah. Right, within three days, if you weren't seeing relief from the yarrow, um, then ask yourself, okay, what else could cause this? Mm. I understand that you wanted to go to a doctor and have a doctor say what it was, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's dangerous because the doctor then prescribes things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a fairly limited number of things that can cause burning in the mouth and ulcers. Mm-hmm. And so what I suggest that people do is become their own expert. Did the doctor do a culture? He did not. He just said um, he would only do that if it doesn't get better. Right. So the doctor's guessing too. Yeah. You just paid somebody to guess. <laughs> Which I sort of like guess. Which you could have done on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you could have done exactly the same thing that the doctor's proposing, which is, hmm, maybe it's a fungus infection. If it doesn't show some improvement within three days, then I will go on to the next prob- probability, Right. Right. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. You you always you know make things really clear to me and just bring you know bring things to that yeah that point. And I I really um, appreciate it so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for calling. Thanks for sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Great blessings. Happy holiday. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 732 area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, so I have three quick questions. Um, I had pneumonia over Thanksgiving, and I was actually put in the hospital for a week. And so I'm now, you know, coming back from that, and I'm very, very tired. So I was wondering, could I make, um, trying to build my immune, could I make an astragalus infusion? Of course. Okay. And would I use the root or would I use root slices? I'm going to order this from Mountain Rose. Well, you're asking if you should make the infusion from root slices or from cut root. Yes. And you will get a stronger infusion from the cut root. I use the slices when I'm cooking something for a long time, like soup. And since I use the slices for food so often, on the rare occasion that I do make an astragalus infusion, which I do if I get bitten by a tick, and I don't notice it, you know, it's actually been on me, um, you know, for more than an hour, then I'll drink a quart of astragalus, and I'll use the slices. Okay. I weigh out a full ounce of astragalus, put it in a quart jar, fill it to the top of the boiling water, put a tight lid okay. on it, let it sit and, for and four to eight hours. Say that this would be the thing to try and build the immune. It certainly is nourishing to the immune system. The immune system is part of what I call the great braid which is the immune system, the nervous system, and the hormonal system. Mm -hmm. And they do not 
operate independent of each other. Mm-hmm. They are like three girlfriends, always chatting between each other. Right? So my sense is that you were in a state that previous centuries would have called nervous exhaustion before you got pneumonia. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And while it's all well and good to build your immune system, if you're still in a state of nervous exhaustion, it's not going to do you a bit of good. It's rather like noticing you have termites and repainting the house. Mm-hmm. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this point? I am. And I'm drinking mainly linden's um, flowers because I have a terrible cough <laughs> that's still mm-hmm. with me. So what I'd like to see you do okay. is to make a quart of infusion rotating through Comfrey. Yes. Which rebuilds the lungs. Okay. Red clover. Okay. Which is a great strengthener of the lungs. Yes. Oat straw, which rebuilds and strengthens the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And nettle. Okay. Which provides minerals to the great braid. In addition, you will always have some linden on hand and in addition to the quart of infusion that you are going to drink each day you can drink as much linden as you want as long as you get a little bit sure yeah okay okay and the linden's wonderful but we miss out when we just play one note right right so Move back into the rotation of those infusions, and is there something that you can take action on that will relieve or resolve what is exhausting you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah? Yes. Good. Um, the, uh, the other okay. herbs that we have not yes. mentioned are mullein and elecampane. Okay, mullein. And what was the other? Elecampane. Mullein is used as an infusion. Yes. And same thing, an ounce of mullein, quart of boiling water, brewed for four to eight hours, strained, and strained through a cloth, not just a sieve, because there's small hairs that can get through the sieve and be itchy in your throat. So use some kind of cloth. I used to take my mom's stained linen napkins, because they've got a kind of open weave to them. But an old washcloth will do, too. Okay. Something that's reserved for that. And then it's drunk half and half with milk, because milk is the great, greatest healer. Of all for the lungs. Okay. So it's called mullein milk. It's half a cup of mullein, half a cup of milk. And if you like, like chai-like things, if you want to put some cardamom or some cloves, you know, those chai, mm-hmm. cinnamon mm-hmm. in there with mm-hmm. it, you can do that. You can make a mullein oh. chai. And there's YouTubes of us doing that. 
That sounds great. Yeah. It's very tasty. And the mullein um, stays good in the refrigerator for, gee, up to a week. Some people even just pre-mix it with the milk, and then sometimes they have it cold, sometimes they heat it up, sometimes they put a little honey in it. Okay. So that, in addition to the linden, or alternating with the linden, so you make yourself a quart of linden and drink how much you want on a daily basis until that's gone, and then make yourself a quart of mullein and mix it with your milk and drink that on a daily basis until it's all gone, then do the linden again. Right. Right. That's all good. And Elecampane is Helena of the fields, Campania. Ella Campaign, Helen of the Fields, Sunflower Family. She's a plant of wet pastures, and grazing animals rarely eat her. She can get quite high, easily over your head. And the root, it's a perennial root, smells a little bit like a cross between um, angelica and mothballs. <laughs> kind of weird, huh? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Ella Campaign, I'm always kind of at a loss for words as to describe Ella Campaign's interaction with the lungs. It's usually typified as a disinfectant for the lungs, that any time that there's been disease in the lungs, like pneumonia or any kind of infection in the lungs, bronchitis or so on, that elecampane can be asked to help make sure that that is entirely cleared. Mm -hmm. Small doses of the tincture, five to ten drops or more as you feel into the plant. Okay. So, those are the primary things that I would think about. Now, did you say you had a cough? Yes. So, my favorite story is being at a concert and the woman behind me coughing through the whole concert. (laughs) So, rather than wring her neck, I offered her some mullein tincture. (laughs) We were at a conference, so I had her just come back to my room, and I gave her some mullein tincture then and there, tincture made from the leaves, and then I lent her the bottle. I said, you know, keep it with you, and, you know, if you're going to go right to sleep, that's fine, and if you stay up for another hour or two, take another dose, and then you can take some more when you get up in the morning and then bring it back to me. And she did. She brought it back to me, and she said she'd had that cough for months, and it was gone. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's great. So that's good to always have in the house. Easy to make. Okay. Too. Okay. All right. Great. Um, my next question: um, hibiscus. Can you do hibiscus infusions? And I'm asking because my husband has high blood pressure, and I've read hibiscus tea is wonderful for high blood pressure. So I thought infusions. If you can do make infusions with it, that would be better. And would you do flowers, flower or whole flowers? Or would you do it at all? Hibiscus is really coming on strong as a wonderful ally for the heart and seems to be very effective 
to help women with uh, triple negative breast cancer, a variety of other kind of interesting things oh. with hibiscus. Does an infusion act quickly? No. So it depends on how high his blood pressure is. Most people, by the time they're seeking something for high blood pressure, have elevated blood pressure, you know, something over 130 for the upper number. And so in that case, my preference is to use herbal tinctures. And okay. herbal tinctures like motherwort mm-hmm. and passionflower, mm-hmm. which can, in many instances, bring down elevated blood pressure within three to five weeks. Okay. And the hibiscus, I think of as a kind of background. It, like hawthorn, it maintains the integrity of the heart. Mm-hmm. You can make hibiscus infusion. You can make infusion of any herb that is non-aromatic. Okay. Right? So not mint, but hibiscus. And not rosemary, but hawthorn. Okay. Right. So it has a strong smell. We're not going to make infusion of it. We're not going to make yarrow infusion. Right. Right. But we can make dandelion infusion. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying that the plant has to be odorless. Of course, each plant has its unique smell signature. But you know the kind of thing I'm talking about where a plant has a really strong smell, and that's due to esters and terpenes and volatile oils that we do not do really uh, well if we ingest in their concentrated states, even if we breathe them in, in their Mm -hmm. concentrated states. So the real problem with hibiscus infusion is that most people can't drink it because it's so incredibly sour. So we usually Uh dilute it at least by half with water Okay. to make it quite drinkable. Right. And fun. One of the kind of first herbal teas that people were introduced to was red zinger from Celestial Seasonings. Mm-hmm. And red zinger was red from hibiscus. Ah. Uh, right? Okay. Yeah. And then it was m- mixed with mint. Right? Mm-hmm. So the red was hibiscus, and the mint was the zing. And then there was a third ingredient as well. So hibiscus, also known as roselle or Jamaican tea, is used worldwide and um, said to be completely safe. Now, um, you're obviously looking at the Mountain Rose catalog, and yes. I, I, I do slightly fault them for um, being a little unclear botanically. Um, so they have things like linden, flower, and leaf, and there's no leaf in it at all. The green part is the flower, and hibiscus flowers, and it's not the flower of the hibiscus at all. It's the calyx of the hibiscus. Uh, if you think of a rose bud, mm-hmm. the part of the hibiscus that's used is the green part of the rose bud, not the flower. Okay. Right. So you can get them whole or you can get them broken up, right? Right, yes. Right. 
So it's totally up to you. The broken up stuff, because it's more broken up, makes a stronger brew, and it brews up faster. The whole stuff, because it's less broken up, remains good in storage for a longer amount of time. Okay. It's not like we're talking drugs here. Right. And some doom is going to befall you if you use the wrong form of the herb. Lighten up. It's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Green Thank blessing. you so much. I learned so much. And happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 907 area code. Hey, Susan. Hi. Hi, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, I've made uh, uh, some comfrey oils and rosehip oils. What is the best preservative for those? There's so many conflicting. I mean, I've read so many different things people use. Oh, don't use vitamin E, use aloe. What would you recommend to preserve the oils? What did you do to ruin the oil that it has to be preserved? Did you heat it? Um, no, I just put, you know, I just poured the oil over the comfrey leaf and let it sit. Uh-huh. And uh, after, I don't know, eight weeks, ten weeks, uh-huh. I, stra- I strained it out and voila. Ta-da. So that oil that you poured over the comfrey lace, it was in some kind of container, right? Yeah, in the glass container. In a bottle, okay. And did you pour the whole bottle over your comfrey leaf, or was there some left? Did I, did I pour the... You had a bottle had... of oil that you poured over the comfrey leaf. Did you use every bit that was in the bottle, or was there some left in the bottle? Oh, there's there's some left in the bottle. What did you use to preserve it? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't use anything. <laughs> I just started using it. I didn't put anything in it. Right. Okay, so the oil won't go rancid? Well, you know, it depends on what oil you used and how you're going to treat it and how much you make. One of my experiences was being up at Gretchen Gould's Herb Hill, and it was early on when she was there, and there was so much Hypericum perforatum. We picked and picked and picked, and wonderful group of green witches up there, and picked and picked and picked. And we got back, and we had two full gallons of just blossoms that were bloomed that day. It was so gorgeous. And then we poured oil over them. Oh, my gosh. And then she had us take one home. Now, a gallon of Hypericum oil was an awful lot of Hypericum oil. It's true, you know, that I give it to all the apprentices and live in apprentices and live out apprentices and that I use it myself. But still, and all a gallon is a lot. And that, I use that hypericum oil for 11 or 12 years. So 
some years would grow mold on the top, and I would scrape the mold off, off and take some of the plant material out so that there was oil on top and the plant material wasn't sticking up because that seemed to attract the mold. But there wasn't any point at which it didn't smell like hypericum oil. There wasn't any point at which it smelled like it was bad or rancid. Now, comfrey leaf itself has a lot of protein, and so comfrey leaf oil can often, before you're even done with it, smell very vile. It does smell vile. <laughs> yeah. What a lot of people do is they pour oil over comfrey leaf and let it sit for three or four weeks. And then they pour that oil on new comfrey leaf. That's what I did. Okay. So you've at least moderated the smell. You can imagine what it would smell like if you just let it sit for a long period of time. It is right, right. People get put off by the smell of plantain oil, too, which I describe as an Italian deli. (laughs) Smells like old cheese and cured meat. Right, and you're literally smelling the umami, the proteins, in the comfrey. In the plantain. That answers my question both because I was real. I was curious about the smell. I goes, is that the plant or something? I did something wrong. No, it's the comfrey. Comfrey has not a repugnant smell. But it's a strong no, smell. No, I don't mind the smell. I don't mind yeah. the smell. Yeah. And when you apply it, the smell kind of dissipates. It's like the fertilizer right. we use, which is nettle rot. And, they, and the apprentices say, how can you tell when the nettle rot is ready? I said, your nose will tell you if it smells like it's rotten, then it's ready. Right. And we don't put nettle rot on the plants on the deck just prior to people coming. But the smell, bad <laughs> it is, totally dissipates, usually in less than 24 hours. Right. So. Okay, that was my question. And then let me also suggest that as you continue to work, that you might want to try things like emu oil, jojoba oil, both of which are very um, close to the natural oils of human skin, much closer than olive oil, as I have nothing against olive oil, and coconut oil which is especially good for scented things. And the ultimate and the way that our all of our ancestors made their ointments, which is in animal fat. I have some beef tallow I think I bought for there something. You go. I didn't use I put in the jar. What do you, I would just mix that with it? No, you have to infuse the herb in the tallow. You have to use some heat. Okay. The tallow has to be warmed until it's liquid, and then the herb is cut up, and the tallow is poured over it just as though it were olive oil. And then it's kept at a slightly warm temperature so that it stays liquid during the infusing period. And that, because there's a small amount of heat being applied, that infusing period can usually be less than the cold infusion, which is about six weeks. Okay. That's, I can't wait to try that from the All right. 
Green blessings and happy holidays. Thanks for calling. Happy holidays. All right. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about my dog, uh, Chico. He is... He's having some kind of, um, like, skin allergy, and it's not the first time it's happened, but this year it's gotten so bad um, that he's, like, licked the, like, his his um, skin on his paws is becoming, um, like, raw and, bare, like, no fur on it, um, and he has a patch like that on his face also, and the reason we we think it's an allergy is because he got this a couple of years ago and I took him to the vet because he was incessantly itching, scratching himself and um and he had fleas but that that let that got we got that under control and now he doesn't have any fleas. But it's like the same time of year that he got it this time, it was at the end of the summer, toward like more into the fall. And he just starts scratching, scratching, scratching. And um, anyway, like so, he he it was getting bad on his face. We took my husband took him to the vet, and they said the same thing that it's a skin allergy. They gave him a steroid shot, um, and not really anything else. And so the issue with my dog Chico is that he doesn't really um, let anybody handle him, <laughs> and so anytime we've tried. <laughs> Is he a small yeah. dog or a large dog? He's he, he's real small. He's a he's like a little Jack Russell type dog. Okay. And so like it, what we what we do sometimes if we have to do something is like I throw like a towel over him and wrap his head up. But he's very feisty. He's older. He's like ten or so. Um, but he you know he'll bite you. And he's kind of this dog that we uh, we were more or less given. And um, we live on a farm, and we've always just said, like, there's nowhere else he really would be able to live. So he's kind of like our um, our adopted uh, dog who, I don't know, it's just kind of like he's part of the family, but he's also just doesn't like to be touched. So anyway, just treating Understood. him really hard. Understood. Yeah. Understood. So that makes me think that perhaps Chico would meditate with you. Oh, uh-huh. It's not unusual when there's a trauma that involves nerves for it to repeat on a yearly basis. Huh. I traveled with a man who had lost the lower part of his right leg in a... Um, milk processing plant Uh in a powdered milk processing plant. Powdered milk is very slippery, and he slipped into the grinder, and the off switch was out of reach. And each year at the time when that happened, he would be just plunged into nightmares and horrible pain as though it were happening all over again. Oh, wow. So 
that's why I'm saying you and Chico meditate on this and find mm. that place of repose, that that point of tranquility, that place where you can say to yourself, I don't have to believe everything my body tells me. Mm. And I'm sure that you can feel your tension around this. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and they say that dogs and people share an emotional ground. Mm-hmm. So her tension has caused your tension, and your tension is causing her tension. And the two of you meditating together, I think, can turn that spiral the other way. Mm. If she were to allow someone to touch her, plantain oil, yeah. stop stitching, tastes good. Yeah, that's what I've, I've been, you know, he, he gets mad, so I drop it on, I try to drop it on his feet, but he just licks it right off. That's fine. That's, okay. That's no problem. Okay. Works in the inside, so too. Just, yeah, so I could just keep... Doing that, he gets mad. He does, he just, you know, I think he is a traumatized little pup. And so, yeah. while he, we all tolerate each other. He definitely just anytime you try to do anything for him, it's just like no, don't touch me. I don't trust you. So, um, so yeah, I can keep trying to do that. And yeah, he can just eat that. Absolutely. Okay. And think about, you know, what it would look like for the two of you to meditate together. Yeah, I'm super interested. I, you know, that thought has actually crossed my mind because I was reading something about, you know, energy medicine and how animals will come to, like I, I read something around that, like animals will come to a person who's meditating or like, you know, working with their energy. And so that was, I, I haven't tried it though with him, but um, is there something in particular that you would recommend me, like, you know, meditating on or? Yes, serenity. Serenity, okay. Serenity, thanksgiving, uh-huh. acceptance, okay. right, okay. abundance, your great joy at being alive, mm. right, okay. the delight of the, uh, the, the endless well of beings mm. that supports your life and that your life supports. Awesome. And I'll I'll tell my kids to think about that too when they're around him. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Soothing thoughts. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Green blessings to you and Chico and your whole family and happy holidays. Thank you too. Green blessings. Good night. The next caller is coming from the two one five area code. Hi, Susan. Um, I've called in a couple times in the past. I'm still a new learner. Um, so I had an incident happen on Thanksgiving, and I used a few different herbs, and I'm trying to understand um, the different jobs of those herbs, and I think that they all had a positive impact. So on Thanksgiving morning, I fell down 
a stair and I landed on my backside and it was such a, a fall that the bruise was like black on my entire one side of my backside. Um, so it was really uh, a deep bruise. And all I had available was plantain oil and I used it and I, um, it appeared to me like it was uh, causing tremendous results in a positive way. Um, and then when I returned home, I thought I should probably use some comfrey oil and um, yarrow um, to help the tissue and that also seemed to have a positive impact. And just two weeks later, um, such a, a deep, bad bruise it was almost entirely gone. Um, but I just don't know what each of the jobs, um, what those oils were doing, the plantain versus the yarrow versus the comfrey leaf. Could you name some of your friends for me or give them, you know, fake names so so we can talk about three or four of your friends? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Sarah and Sue and Sandra and Sally? Okay. So you might all go out together, the five of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Or any mm-hmm. two of you might go out together, or three of you, right? Right. And you would be somewhat different in each one of those circumstances, wouldn't you? Yeah. Think of plants as people. Okay. And by thinking of them as people, then you thwart your culture's desire for you to turn them into drugs with green kids. Okay. Right? So I said to Yarrow, how shall I talk about you? How shall I envision you? And she showed me herself as a woman, a four foot ten, really short woman. And she says, I am Madam Yarrow. I run a school of self-defense. That really says it about Yarrow, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I said, that really says it about Yarrow, doesn't it? I run a yeah. school of self-defense. Yeah. Right? Boom. Yeah. You And you see her with her karate kick, and you better step back. Mm-hmm. Right? Plantain said, I'm a Quaker lady. I just want peace. I want everybody to be okay. I want everybody to be happy. I'm here. I'm going to be... Right where you tread, so that I'll always be available to you. And it's quite okay if you walk on me. I am humble. It's not a problem. I'll grow by the wayside. I don't need anything special. Because my my offering is for the peace of all and the good of all. And my sweetheart, a Shakespeare actor, looked up plantain. Shakespeare lived, what, 500 years ago? And Shakespeare says, the plain plantain peaceful by the roadside okay so you know plantain 
gives us the same story over and over. The plants do. They have actual personalities. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mistake Burdock the Biker Babe for Dr. Dente Leon. Mm-hmm. Right. More that you can use whatever intrigues you and draws you in to help you make friends with the plants, the more of their qualities will be accessible to you. Okay. Like, as a friend, you might, like, primarily think of me as, well, gee, Susan is a good friend to ask about things that have to do with herbs or things that have to do with health. And Susan does not know how to sail. So it wouldn't be good to ask her to sail the boat. But if you're stranded and you needed rescuing and the only way to do that was for me to sail to you, I would figure out a way. And so will the plants. Okay. Because a drug is a single molecule with a direction of action. And a plant is hundreds and hundreds of different constituents some acting synergistically together, and some actually countering each other so that they work better. Yeah, my experience when I just used the plantain first in the beginning, it seemed like it was taking the bruising color away and returning the flesh color right away without going all through all the color phases of the, the green and the yellow and so that I was kind of in amazement with that. And then what is, what is the I color? Not, what causes the color from a bruise? Uh, the the blood, right? The Correct. Broken it's blood. blood vessels and the and, right. and smushed blood vessels exactly. So you smushed a bunch of capillaries, and blood came out of them, and that blood is underneath the surface. And so what you're saying is that the plantain sped up the process by which your body could reabsorb that blood. Yeah. And then when I stopped that and started using the comfrey, um, I used that at one time of the day in the morning and then the uh, yarrow at night. It, then it seemed like the inflammation was coming down. The, the pain was reducing from those two. I just wasn't sure what, you know, what was going, you know, as I was using everything. I really didn't understand what was causing what effect or, you know, what I was doing. I just thought Do you understand the billions of dollars that are spent on trying to answer these questions about drugs? (laughs) Which are single molecules? And you're trying to answer this about a plant, which is hundreds of different constituents? Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm telling you, as my teachers have told me, Pretty much any plant can do anything if you have that relationship to it, with it. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so I I want to praise you for using these herbs individually, which really helps you develop these relationships, because you can see that plantain is different than comfrey, is different than yarrow. What a lot of herbalists are taught when they are trained is, since we don't know what plantain or gear or comfrey does, just mix them all together and use them. 
And well, then they I, know what I, those I, three I, things do together, but they don't have any sense of those herbs as individuals, which you are developing now. Right. So I've listened to your shows almost every Tuesday for at least six months now, and I remember you talking about that with the nourishing herbal infusions, and so that's how I knew to do that. Good for you. Good listening. <laughs> okay. Well, All I was right. definitely astonished with the results. It was amazing. Absolutely, and you might want to pick up some Arnica gel. I am not a big one for products that I have to buy, but I'll tell you, Arnica gel is one product that I, when my granddaughter was young, we had a tube in every room of the house because she was a real smash into it. She once took a tumble down a flight of four cement stairs. And by the time she got to the bottom, there was already like a goose, black and blue goose egg on her forehead. And we put arnica on it. We kept putting arnica on it. And the whole goose egg and the black and blue was gone within about six hours. Wow. The goose egg was gone within 15 to 20 minutes. But you need to have the arnica right there at the time. It works okay afterwards, but it's really like first, first aid, which is why we had a tube in every room. Right. And I do have that on hand. Um, It was something about the comp relief that made me think that, um, you know, that I should use that instead. Um, How wonderful. About nope. the, when I they to they you all work. The they're issue. all lovely herbs. Mm-hmm. I guess only one other question that I had with the five nourishing herbal infusions. Um, when I looked on the Catskill Mountain Herbs site, they put on their website not to take that internally, and it made me timid at the thought not of Humphrey internally. Yeah. That's what's required of them by law. Oh, okay. I don't suppose you ever exceed the speed limit. (laughs) Okay. Got it. I will tell you that I have been drinking Comfrey from a bag labeled not for human consumption for over 30 years. Okay. And so has everybody else that I know. Got it. That's helpful. All right. Thank you very much. Green blessings. Happy holidays. You too. Thank you. So we just have one more caller with a question right now. So if you have a question for Susan and you're thinking about asking it, please press 1. And um, we'll tell the callers right now, too, that um, we're not going to be back until January, is it 15th? Yes. Or no, the 14th. January 14th we'll be back on the air. So we'll be gone for three weeks. Yes, we have some holidays coming up. Next week is, um, well, somehow I have that we were going to do Christmas Eve, but let's not. If you don't want to, that's fine. I'll mark that out so I don't have to worry about that. That's good. So we won't do that next week on the 24th, and we won't do the 31st, which is New Year's Eve. And um, I will be traveling back from Costa Rica on January 7th 
if I was at some stationary place, I might be able to do it, but traveling back is hard. So the 14th is the next time we will be with everybody. Yes, exciting. Big trip for you. And for those who Zoom um, with me on the first Wednesday, that's going to be the 15th. It's going to be the third Wednesday in January. Yes, uh, Justine and I are are, uh, getting our outline together. She's uh, booking the places that we are going to go to uh, do our video course on the treasures of the tropics. Mm. Coffee and tea and chocolate. We may not do tea. It's not a big thing in Costa Rica, but coffee and chocolate certainly are. And bananas and papayas and mangoes and coconuts. And, of course, passion foods. Mm, and ginger. Yeah, sounds- <laughs> and avocados. Sounds, sounds really good. Yeah, so we're going to be going to farms, vanilla, that specialize in these things. And... Uh, Letting you in on it in uh, Treasures of the Tropics video course. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, too. We're going to travel around quite a bit and uh, visit some uh, places where people have been gardening and um, bringing uh, tropical plants um, into their splendor for uh, quite a long time. It should be very lush and delicious. Mm -hmm, Beautiful. Sounds good. I can't wait to check it out. And uh, hopefully hopefully she'll be given some highlights of the trip. I know she she's good about posting stuff on Facebook, too, so <laughs> get some highlights while you're <laughs> All right. So we'll go to the next caller. It looks like we had another caller queue up with a question, so we have a couple more here right now. Coming from the 419 area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. I want to wish you a happy holidays. Um, I just have a couple questions. Um, for the, do you know anything about the blood-brain barrier and how possibly fungal issues would happen with that? Um, nothing. Does someone tell you that you have fungus? In your brain? No, um, not a doctor, but I work with flowers, and I'm just I'm I'm uh, I'm having issues with my memory, and I don't know what to do, and I think it's coming from the the flowers. Could you tell me a little bit more about the issues you're having with your memory? Um, like uh, remembering how to how to talk. How, if I want to say something, I can't really get it out. What I'm thinking fast enough? I don't know. I don't know if it's from the plants. So, so mostly just. Um, a slowing of the ability. I mean, you're certainly talking to me, so you can talk and express. It's not that you are incomprehensible or uh, that you're saying, um, I I want you to diagnose my tea kettle. Right. Right, which people with Alzheimer's will do. 
Oh. And they will not even be aware that they have substituted the wrong word. Right. I just, is, am I on the right path here thinking that it's something um, fungal and a fungal issue? Am I on, um, am I on the right path? No, I think you are way off the path. Way off the path. Okay. Yeah. I think you're out in, in Lululville. Okay. Okay. So I, 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 I'm wondering what actual causes of that are. The brain is part of the neurological system. Right. So when we are under emotional nervous stress, then usually we do not have as great an ability to articulate. We talk about people being struck dumb. That would be me. (laughs) That would be me. Oh, my gosh. And it's not because there's some insidious um, devil, right? Devils in the modern world have been replaced with bacteria and fungus and viruses, right? Right. Right. So, you know, 500 years ago, there would have been a devil in your brain. <laughs> exactly. Right? Makes just as much sense. <laughs> Neither one of them is in your brain. <clears throat> but there is some stress that's going on in your life. And, and it is slowing down your ability to put into language what you want to say. And I'm hearing Ryan Drum say in the background, and it's off in left field, thyroid disease is the body's way of making women stop. Oh, wow. I have not thought of that. And I'm not saying that this has anything to do with thyroid disease. I'm saying that it may be your body's way of saying to you, shh. That makes sense. The heroic tradition conditions us to think that we're at war with our body and our body's always doing something wrong that we have to correct. It's like an unruly child. And we have to be the stern parent and keep it in line. And the wise woman tradition suggests that the body is really innately very wise, but that it's symbolic as I'll get out. And that if we take it too literally, we kind of miss the wink wink joy joy of life you're so right now here's the cherry on top of this are you in menopause yes I am well, of course you are, duh. Very typical symptoms yep. of menopause. 
Okay. That's yeah. That's that's exactly what it is. And I just have to learn how to deal with it. And it will be over. Puberty did not last forever, did it? Nope. No. Thank you, Susan. Green blessings and happy holidays. Thanks for your call. Bye bye. Bye bye. The next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question tonight about blisters on my feet. I'm okay. hoping you can help me. There, um, I think what happened is it became cold outside and I started wearing socks all the time. Uh-huh. So I have these itchy blisters on the tops of um, two of my toes and it's spreading to a third. And it's like super red, a little bit tender to the touch um, and very itchy. I'm curious if you have any suggestions on how to mitigate the itch and potentially what could be happening. That's a very good question. Blisters are the skin's way of reacting to something that it considers noxious. So if you put an acidic substance on your toes, they will blister. Mm -hmm. If you um, walk for a long while in tight shoes and sweaty socks, your feet will blister. If there's a mechanical frictional trauma, a blister will form on the feet. Mm-hmm. There could be bacterial or fungal agents that can infect the feet, most of which don't cause blisters, though. Mm. But what you call a blister and what I call a blister may not be exactly the same because... I think of a blister as a fairly big thing, but I have seen areas in which they're tiny little, like no bigger than the head of a pin, little things, and somebody called those blisters too. Mm. As in kind of the way a poison ivy rash would look. And that, of course, was my first thought was, mm-hmm. ah, she has put her feet into some shoes that has, has poison ivy oil in it or socks that have poison ivy oil in them. And she's getting mm. a poison ivy rash. Rash. Well, I have a feeling it's not that. Okay, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, and I yeah, I recently did wash my socks. I tried to change them. That sounds good. Probably. And you're using uh, natural of- materials rather than synthetics. Yes, cotton socks. Mm-hmm. Cotton can create a lot of friction and can add to blisters. Mm-hmm. Most hikers wear wool. Uh-huh. Right. Right, because when cotton gets wet, and if you do sweat, then it really sets up a pretty fierce friction, whereas the wool will absorb moisture and remain pretty frictionless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be 100% wool. 100% wool is actually too soft. We're holes in it pretty fast. 
so they add usually mm-hmm. add some synthetic to the wool just to you know so you can wear it a couple of times before the wool falls apart. Mm-hmm. I used to knit wool socks, and after the second or third pair, I took to also taking apart um, old nylon socks and using the nylon thread um, in the foot of the sock that I knit so that, you know, it would last more than a week or two. Yeah. Right. I have lost wool socks for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so as far as um, so other than changing the Are socks, you keeping your feet out of your shoes and socks as much as you can? And it's blisters. so cold that I don't. You don't keep your feet out of shoes and socks? It hasn't. I've been so cold that I haven't taken my feet out of them uh-huh. So cold. And tell me how it is that you're so cold. Well, it's winter. <laughs> um, the house, well, I'm not the house so cold. As a matter of cold. fact. Gee, a couple of weeks ago when it was 40 degrees, I was walking around outside barefoot. Mm. Yeah, I have a, There's something I have wrong a with foot, your diet I if like you're cold. I like my feet covered. I think there's something wrong well, with your diet yeah. if you're cold. That, that would be a diagnosis for, you know, my life. <laughs> but there's something wrong with your diet? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I I eat all the things you approve of. <laughs> Whole foods. <laughs> Whole foods, bone broth. Yeah, and plenty of animal vegetables. fat. And plenty of animal fat. Because that's that's the thing that keeps us the warmest is the animal fat. And remember that the thing that I say at my class on cold and flu season in October is November is the month to get cold. The most important thing you can do to make your immune system strong and to get yourself well through the winter is to get cold in November so that by the time December comes, it doesn't feel cold anymore, do you? Right. I remember you saying that about the goats. Right. So I think that it's very important if you're going to be wearing socks or shoes and socks all the time that you do change them very frequently. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're getting a rash, if you're getting blisters, I at first, of course, thought that you were talking about friction blisters, but I don't think so now. I don't think that you're walking that much. Yeah, not as no, not so much. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising because I've I've never had this before, and I've definitely spent lots of times where I've worn socks a lot. So it's just kind of like surprising, and maybe made me think like, is it a fungus or something? But I think. It could be. be. If so, wash your socks with vinegar, rinse, and let them dry with some vinegar in them. Mm. And it might, you know, sometimes I've heard dermatologists say, well, have you changed the laundry detergent? Or has the laundry detergent you used changed? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, you can use the same product and suddenly they're formulating it differently and your skin's going to react differently. Yeah, true. And are there any suggestions for itch relief just as a... Plantain plantain oil is wonderful to relieve itch. Or plantain leaves chewed up and put on are very, very good to get rid of the itch fast. 
Also, if if the blisters are kind of oozy or bumpy, an astringent like witch hazel can be helpful. And that's just the witch hazel that you could get at a drugstore. Great. That's all very helpful. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. Well, we did have a few people that queued up right here at the end of the show, but uh, the next caller is coming from the 775 area code. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, You're Two quick questions. Yeah, um, so do you, um, I know that, uh, let's see, how can I ask this? Okay, so I've got menopause issues myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Memory, memory, memory. (laughs) Right, right, I can do this, ginkgo biloba, yes. Yes. Okay, okay, so um, my son, he's 19, yes, I will have him call you, but I, I just have a general question. He started vaping nicotine. And I'm, you know, wondering, you know, what else is there that can help him other than him just making up his own mind to quit vaping, which is very, very challenging for him. I've been um, making uh, mullen infusions, which I love. They're wonderful. Is there anything else that you can recommend that can help motivate him? Uh, Because he says that he's not really addicted. He says he's not addicted to the nicotine, but he's addicted to he enjoys, you know, vaping and making smoke coming out of his mouth, that sort of habit kind of thing. Well, do you live in a state where he can get a medical marijuana card? Oh, Lord, yes. (laughs) Well, hey, marijuana, non-addictive, tobacco is addictive. And uh, medical marijuana he can vape cannabis. Okay. And that is healthier. So how By would far. you go about finding the cannabis that is grown out in the sunshine? I've listened to your YouTube on um, that. And what's the healthy you're, cannabis or the synthetic stuff? What you're in, what's going to be available to you. But when we're talking vape, um, we're not talking plant at all now, are we? We're talking about a cartridge. You're right, right. What's really important is that you know what is in that cartridge, and it should be only cannabis oil and not vitamin E, acetate, or any flavoring or anything else. Okay. I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> so I need a minute. Okay, thank you, and I trust you. You, well, you know, so, smoking, so much. smoking is one of the, the most human things we do. No other animal smokes. No other animal makes fire or inhales fire. And he has said very clearly he gets a physical pleasure from this. And the fact of the matter is that at 19, it's hard for him to know how addictive tobacco is, and it's said to be more addictive than heroin. Yeah. So while he may not think that he's addicted or ever would be, he probably already is, whereas cannabis is completely non-addictive. There is simply no addictive pathway in the brain or the body for the cannabis to do that. 
Okay. So, so long as he's in a place where he can do that legally, that is a healthier choice. Okay. Thank you very much. And one last statement. I um, started doing a yarrow infusion. Um, no, like, please. No. no, no, for me, for me. Different question, not for him, for me. Uh, no yarrow vaginosis. <laughs> we do not make infusion of herbs with a strong scent. No, we make infusion of herbs like nettle, which doesn't have a smell. Oat straw, which doesn't have a smell. We do not use yarrow or rosemary or mint for infusion, ever. Even for a sitz bath for female things? Well, for a sitz bath, yes. Okay, that's. I just want to tell you thank you. For for years, I had been dealing with cystitis. uh, uh, And uh, slippery on dark helped, other things helped. My diet, changing the diet helped, but I started using yarrow infusion sitz bath sitz bath for I'm bacterial like, yeah. vaginosis, and it made the pain go away from the um, cystitis. It is, it's just amazing. It's like I can just hug you. <laughs> Maybe one day oh, I'll take and I'll be able to, but thank you. I just wanted to say that, so thank you oh, so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And again, my apology for cutting you off before you got to the CISPAT part of it. No worries. Have a beautiful evening. Green blessings. Green blessings. Happy holidays. The next caller is coming from the 419 area code. Hi, Susan. I'm back. Hi. Hey, I was wondering, um, I went on Amazon and it says that you're your book is not available. I just wondered, is it out or is it sold out? Is it coming out soon? My book is printed, bound, and was shipped and has been received by Amazon. So Yay. you might want Yay. to refresh your browser. And with okay. I would guess that within the next 48 hours, at the very least, they will suddenly show that it's available. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. You're holiday. welcome. Good blessings. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, the next caller is coming from the 604 area code. Hello. Hello. We're having a hard time hearing you, 604. Are you there in the 604? Well, okay, their call dropped. So well, actually, I could just barely hear her. But oh, hopefully really? she'll call again with a better connection. Yeah, maybe she'll call back in. Um, But that looks like it is it for our callers with their hands raised. There are a lot of people on the line. If anyone has a question, go ahead and raise your hand. And I did have somebody that emailed me in recently, but I was having a hard time locating the email. Is Beth here? Let's see. Oh, here. Um, here's the number. Here's somebody that just called in. Let's see if um, this is her in the six seven eight area code. Hi. Is this Beth? Rebecca? No, this is not Beth. 
somebody that had just uh, raised their hand, so I was wondering if it was that woman that they just raised their hand. Okay, great. You had a question. Yes, I do. Um, first of all, I just want to say um, I'm very grateful for all the work you put out. I am new to your work. I went to the Southeast Wise Women's Conference in Henderson, North Carolina, and um, I was introduced to to your work. Um, I've been doing the nourishing herbal infusions. And I have a question about oat straw and red clover. Um, I am concerned because I am not looking to uh, have children at the moment. I am in school and I do not want to get pregnant. Um, and I was wondering if there is anything I can take or if I need to not uh, drink the oat straw or the uh, red clover. Uh, what, what your thoughts would be on that for a kind of herbal uh, birth control. I don't know if that would be the right uh, word for that. Well, if you're going to not drink oat straw and not drink red clover, then I hope you don't eat any carrots or <laughs> any roots or any whole grains or any grains or any seeds or any nuts or any beans. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Right. You're being silly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see. It's it's food. It's food. I drink oat straw and red clover, and I haven't gotten pregnant in 25 years. I see. <laughs> of course, I'm 75 years old, but, you know. But. <laughs> it's not, we're not talking drugs. It's not like you drink red clover and wham, you're pregnant. There's no enunciation. I, I guess it's not, you know, it's not any more likely to make you pregnant than eating soybeans or black yes. beans, which have more phytosterols than either red clover or soybeans. I hear you. Right. And oat straw is the grass of the plant that gives you oatmeal. It's related to wheat and rice. Mm-hmm. And all seeds contain phytosterols. Now, plants, not being drugs, have a great many ways that they can act. A very enterprising woman in Utah did some studies with wild yam root. Well, DM root came to notoriety or to public attention, shall we say, as being the source of the material that was used to make the first birth control pills. Mm-hmm. And she experimented with a cohort of fertile women uh, to see if wild yam could help them avoid being pregnant. And it turned out that it depended a lot on when in their cycle they took it. Mm-hmm. around the time of ovulation, it increased the risk of getting pregnant. Taken at other times of the cycle, it decreased the risk. But as far as I can see, if your body is set on getting pregnant, then it will, pretty much no matter what, I was just in Arizona and wonderful people presented about their peyote church, the only church licensed uh, to do peyote with non-native people and to grow peyote. 
And he had a vasectomy because they didn't want any children. They have three beautiful grown children. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I met women who've gotten pregnant on while taking birth control pills with an IUD in their uterus. After them, them having their tubes cut. I met a woman who got pregnant three years after her last period. Wow. So you know what I say. There is only one absolute sure form of birth control, and that is lesbianism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you don't want to get pregnant and you have sex with girls, I can guarantee you it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Other than that, all bets are off. I don't care what you do. You might want to check right. out the work of Robin Rose Bennett with wild carrot seed, which is used by women in India to as a kind of morning after pill. And Robin Rose has experimented and written monographs about her experiences and experiments with a fairly wide variety of women using wild carrot seed as herbal birth control. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thanks for your question. Green blessings and happy holidays. Green blessings. Right. Well, it is time to introduce our guest, Beth Kramer an accomplished editor-director who produces independent films, commercials, music videos, and branded content. Her award-winning documentary, Plan B, Single Women Choosing Motherhood, explores the social picture single motherhood presents and the reason this trend is snowballing among women in their 30s and 40s. Kramer launched Brave Films in 2007, making the company's home in New York City in the Hudson River Valley. Kramer is a master of melding powerful, emotionally driven experiences in her work. Her portfolio spans styles, including dialogue, visual storytelling, music-driven imagery, offbeat comedy, and evocative fashion and beauty. Beth Kramer has collaborated with some of the world's leading creative agencies and talent in the industry. Two years ago, in 2017, Beth Kramer was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. Her book, which I have right here, Why Didn't I Notice Her Before, documents her experience as a mother, wife, sister, and daughter through her diagnosis. And I'm going to guess her treatment, because the part that uh, that I got to um, was... um, Then he walks out to his next appointment, leaving his assistant to plan the next year of my life. Today, Beth lives with her husband and son in the Hudson River Valley and spends her time writing and creating, and she is the second woman in the past six months that I have met with a stage four ovarian cancer diagnosis who is um, here to talk to us about it. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am doing quite well tonight. How are you? I'm good. You're so prolific. I had no idea. You've written like what, six twenty books? books? Six Seven. books just came out, yes. 
That's so great. I, I, you know, we're, we're uh, fairly neighbors because we live in New Paltz. And when I mention your name, besides, I know you have a very wide reach and audience, but uh, two close friends like, oh, yeah, you know, they follow you and they've known you. So it's, uh, it's so nice to meet you over the phone. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, wow. And you too. And uh, I, I actually just got your book yesterday. Okay. I have not had a chance to really read it, but just to kind of look through it. And um, I, I really, um, in my work, always appreciate this kind of memoir. I learned so much from a woman writing down her story. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Yeah. And how you... How you um, articulate it, the stories that that you um, agree to about it, the stories that you refuse to agree to about it. And you especially, as a filmmaker, I think, are quite aware of the story aspect of your diagnosis. Very much so, yeah, yeah. Could you talk to us about that, please? Yeah, you know, it was an opportunity. To me, it was an opportunity. Um, you know, and I, I do see things like that. I tend to... Um, you know, I was writing a book, I was writing a novel about a woman, and, and I gave her, uh, I gave the character a catalyst, which was, was cancer, um, to, to form her story arc. Um, and I didn't see, it was a difficult project because I didn't have any history with cancer. And I really didn't have the material necessary. And it turned out, I found out six months later, that I was the woman, I was my main character, and that I had this ovarian cancer. And all that I needed was sort of handed to me, you know, on a silver platter. And I thought, this is this is good news, you know, because I'm a storyteller and I need the material. And, you know, I pretty much I walked through the whole process. Um, you know, every time I'd go into a doctor's appointment, I, you know, I would have it, I'd be recording or taking notes as if I were the character. So I do think about it as scenes. I think about it filmically. Um, and And I do tend to, uh, take ideas and manifest them. Unfortunately, so seems I was uh, meant to write this memoir. But but yeah, uh, every every place that I go, it seems for cancer, just it's ripe for for storytelling and a, and and um, a filmic, a movie or a, something that you can visualize. I absolutely agree because it seems like the social norm story about cancer is cancer equals death. Mm. And your the subtitle of your book is a memoir about dying to live. Yeah, you know, I remember I walked into a doctor's office once, and I, I must have been having a particularly bad day because typically I would go in and um, I'd be in pretty good spirits. And I said something like, "I'm you know I'm dying of cancer," and she goes, "No, you're not. You're living with cancer." And as soon as she said that, you know, it really did change my perspective because, I mean, I might, I don't know how long I ha- I'm going to live, but I am living with cancer. And, and um, yeah, it's a better way of phrasing it. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to say to us, mm. your expiration date is stamped on your left buttock in a place where you cannot see it. There are people <laughs> in this room who have a cancer diagnosis and their expiration date is on a placard on their chest, but that doesn't mean they're going to die before you. I'm so true. That's true. She like oh she really kept us on our toes about that. Amazing that, woman. Yeah, that, that every day you understand whether whether you have a diagnosis or not. This could be the day. It could be. I had a friend say to me once, yeah, but but that's in our driveway, 
And, um, it, you know, she, I, I think her, her thought was that, you know, we know how we're going to die. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true, um, but, but possibly. I think that's, you know, just with it. Well, I had, I had a very dear friend who was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. It was quite thoroughly metastasized. And he lived for another two years and died of a heart attack. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All those years thinking that he's going to die one way. Oh, what they, wasted energy. They gave energy. him two weeks to live, right? What's that? They gave him two weeks to live. They, they yeah, sent well. him home. No chemo, no radiation, no surgery. They said, you're already dead. Goodbye. Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore because I asked a lot, you know. I, I asked my doctors all the time, how much time do I have, you know. Um, yeah, they they didn't like giving, they didn't like that question. No, usually usually they'll say, well, let's look at your scan. Yeah, which means. So the scan is going to whisper something to them. Well, because they have seen, you know, they've seen, it, it, you know, the extremes of it. They've seen cancer sweep through somebody and take them away in a matter of months, and they've seen people who just go on and on and on it don't seem yeah. to like do anything other than somehow live with that cancer right it really is such a mystery i don't it know it is absolutely <laughs> such a mystery so you how did you discover that you had ovarian cancer um you know they call it the silent killer for a reason you have very there, there are very few signs and it's it's really you know i i am not really educated about ovarian cancer i've done my best to i did a cursory cursory like search about it and then when i went into traditional medicine i i realized that i was sort of um i needed to go with the protocol and it wasn't going to do me a yes, lot of good that's what I do, traditional medicine, right? Are, are you perhaps calling modern medicine traditional? Um, well, wouldn't you call yourself more holistic on alternative? No, I, don't I am term. traditional. I have a tradition that goes back tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of years. Modern medicine is not traditional. It has no tradition. R- okay, so th- you know, I was thinking about that, actually. So, like, do you feel offended when people call doing something like, um, you know, Rick Simpson oil or the Gerson theory, uh, therapy, do you, call, do you think that's wrong to call that alternative, but that would be more traditional? Because when I say traditional, I mean chemotherapy and the protocols of Western particularly medicine. Particularly productive. My new book is subtitled, the um, integrated mm-hmm. complementary medicine yeah. revolution. Yeah, that, that's that's a big one. And I think even on the cusp of like me entering the phase in 2017, it felt like integrative uh, was becoming a much more used, um, you know, um, word. Yeah, that's in, not the word I use. I integrated, not integrative. Integrated, okay. Integrated is something different than integrative. Integrative is I am the radiation oncologist and I will do your radiation. Mm, and yeah. <laughs> puncture and massage are hooey. Don't bother with them. Yeah. And then you will go Which and get I use mostly massage actually, I... because you know they're not hooey and that they're going to help you deal with that radiation. Yeah, those, those are the, the two so things that I use. Integrative medicine. Integrative medicine is okay. Now that you've done, you know, three uh, months of uh, chemo, we'll send you to a dietitian. Yeah, no, it's true. Now, what um, I'm calling for is integrated. You go to the dietitian before yeah. you do the chemotherapy. Yeah, yeah, and then I think that that's the word that I meant to use. But I'm glad you 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 so, actually yeah, so discussed that. I have never liked the word alternative. I have never felt that I, what I do is alternative to anything. And that's why I created the word complementary, which has had a good long run. Yeah. 
Yeah. It is, you know, being replaced with integrative. Definitely. I don't like what's being done under the name of integrative, so that's why I'm calling for us to have it integrated. Yes. Yeah. And, and okay, so is all right. So I guess that is the term they're using, and they need to just change to, to an ED, and they're going to get it more right. But but we have to remember that it, it's it is the Western medicine people that are using the word and attaching it to their cancer oh, centers I am and bringing medicine. people. We're talking about modern medicine. Herbs are Western medicine, and they have been for tens of thousands of years. Well, I I mean I I know what you're talking about, and I I. I well, I don't know. Actually, there, it, 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 I think that it's important for us to be clear that we're not talking about Western medicine. We're not talking about traditional medicine. We're talking about modern medicine, modern scientific medicine, which has a certain paradigm, which is we will kill the cancer even if it kills you to kill it. Mm-hmm. We are not in any way going to talk about your quality of life or try to preserve your quality of life or you're going to kill the cancer. Yep. That's true. I mean, I, I've, I've experienced that. I went to a nutritionist first. Um, I mean, before I even went and, and, and considered chemotherapy, I really did research, and I I was drawn towards to do complement. Well, see, now I don't know what to call it because you've confused me. But I didn't want to go to Good. chemotherapy. I didn't want to, to use what, what I was. What's that? Complementary is excellent. Okay, so I wanted to do... Uh, I researched, like I said, um, like the Gerson therapy. I, I thought about going to other countries where they had, um, you know, they were doing some more um, work with cannabis and, and so forth. And, you know, it, in the end, it was sort of like the easiest choice. I hate to say that, um, to just go and have the surgery and get my infusions. Um, it took, it didn't, I didn't have to participate as much. Um, Correct. You did not all. have to. And in fact, I couldn't. You know, so when I say to them, you know, what are we going to do? T- I, you know, I'd say I've researched this, um, this. These are the things that I can do. No, you have to have the first line of therapy. There was no question. There was no talking to them. There was. There was no. You don't tell these doctors something that they don't need to know or already know. You know, there's one straightforward. So I did go to a nutritionist who gave me tons. She 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 said that I had um, that estrogen was feeding my cancer, and she'd given me a whole um, very very uh, complex um, schedule of vitamins and supplements to take. And the day before my first since when are vitamins and supplements nutrition? Well, they're not, and that's part of the problem. I she she it was really a, a, a lesson because I mean I was going to be. Th- five times a day, it was going to be a full-time job of taking supplements, which are not nutritious. I've always been nutritious. I've never had a bad diet. I mean, I, I eat healthy, organic, local, whatever. I don't eat processed food. So, I mean, I don't know if that has anything. It clearly didn't cause my cancer. So I didn't necessarily think it was going to heal it either, changing my diet. One of the things that we always remind Anyone with a cancer diagnosis is there are no guarantees. I met a woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 30s who grew up on an organic farm. Yeah, could have caused it. Who knows? You know, it's you know, and you you ask any of the oncologists what causes cancer, and they will roll their eyes and throw their hands up. Yeah. And and if they're going to give you an answer, they'll say environmental estrogen. Yeah, well, this was just a new That's way to block environmental estrogen is to eat plenty of plant estrogen. 
which is why the Gerson therapy focuses on red clover. Feeding estrogen to the estrogen, so that right, what you're feeding, what it's, what's feed, you're feeding, you are blocking the, cancer, the cancer's saying? ability to uptake the estrogen that it feeds on because there are hundreds of different estrogens. Only one receptor site. Human women make 30 different kinds of estrogen, only one of which feeds cancer. Plants make hundreds, if not thousands, of different kinds of sterols, which can be converted to estrogen in the body. And environmental pollutants and agricultural chemicals add thousands more of estrogens and estrogenic mimics to the mix, Mm -hmm. many of which in the industrial area can feed cancer. You know, so the I, best way to protect yeah. ourselves against that is to get plenty of plant estrogens because you've heard of um, tamoxifen, right? Yes. Did you know that tamoxifen is estrogen? Um, I didn't, but I'm not surprised. Right. And it is the drug that is given to more women uh, with a diagnosis of breast cancer or with a fear of breast cancer than any other drug because it's the kind of estrogen that cancer can't eat and so it blocks the cancer from getting the kind it can eat. Yeah. Vitex, also known as chase tree, saw palmetto, maca, coconut, coconut oil, rosemary. Um, yeah, but how there, much of it do you have to have? I'm sorry? But how much of it do you have to have? How much of it do you, are you talking about ingesting? Four of Vitex tincture twice a day. Tincture, yeah. Four droppers of salt palmetto tincture twice a day. A tablespoon of coconut oil twice a day. Reasonable amounts. Seaweed also is an estrogen sponge. So my, when I first got diagnosed, my sister sent me about, Hundred cartons of seaweed cucumber. Have you, seen, have you ever heard of that? No. Somebody called sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Okay. Sea cucumber. It's horrible. Not sea cucumber. Sorry. And 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 they're little little pods. Uh, they come in little pods, like you know, like an espresso pod. And you just you. I was taking them three times a day. It was horribly punitive. It just tasted so gross. I mean, I know uh, it was supposed to be the cure. We. She had heard from a, a person who had a brain cancer, brain tumor, and he swears that it had cured him. Um, so uh, I started taking it until I saw a research, one of the top research uh, oncologists in the country, who said she was she was an oceanographer. Um, she had studied, and she knew what they tasted like. And if I wanted to take them, take them. But she didn't see why I should be doing something so punitive. So that was funny. It was pretty punitive, though. They tasted horrible. But who knows? Who knows what the... <laughs> There's no magic bullet. There is no magic bullet, not even chemotherapy or surgery. No, but you know, you know what I've done? I've been on the non-denial diet, and I'm Tell doing me about that. I love it ridiculously well. Uh, the non-denial diet. Uh, I didn't take all the supplements um, that the nutritionist told me. I never juiced. I haven't done the coffee enemas. Um, I never did the Rick Simpson oil. I haven't done anything but eat what I want, which is still not like I'm not going to McDonald's and eating processed and fat foods, but I eat pretty much what I want, things that I never would have just easily eaten before. Um, I still drink 
some alcohol. Um, I I do exercise, but I've never done any of the things you that I hear about other people saying. Oh, you have to juice. You have to. And I'm not saying that 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 wouldn't work. It just I haven't done it. And I, every time I go for a CAT scan, I'm like, oh, should have done that special diet. <laughs> should be taking those tinctures. But um, I'm doing really well, surprisingly. Good for you. Yeah, two years later. Yeah, yeah, I was very aggressive, and and so I think they're very surprised. I mean, I still have to go for. Well, I say I should. You know, I met with an I met with an Ayurvedic doctor, uh, an Indian uh, doctor. He was from India anyway. Uh, the other day, and he said to me, he was going to give me all this information. Feels like I should go to India, which I probably would if if the if the cancer comes back. Um, I'm going to try. I I will try to do some different things. Um, but he suggested that I have an edible every single day, and um. I think it's pretty exciting how quickly, like right now, that the time that we're in, how um, prevalent and accepted and um, aware even doctors are becoming of that as, as a, a, I guess, I mean, as as a treatment, you know, medically. Cannabis. Cannabis and, um, yeah, cannabis specifically, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's what you meant by have an yeah. edible. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. I'm sorry. I did. Yes, of course. Oh, yeah, I, I, was tra- I was like going an edible what? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, see, but that's how the li- it's. You know, I think I'm living in a culture where like that's just the lingo. I don't know what that's <laughs> incorrect and naive of me. Okay. But, um, yeah. Um, just I've been hearing more, more and more stories that people who have had been told they have such a short time span um, due to their illness, due to cancer, when they do take it, when they have comp complementary um, treatments with just um, cannabis that they are living longer and healthier. Not, it's not just treating the symptoms or, or the, uh, or the of, of uh, chemotherapy, you know, not just like just taking care of nausea or making you have a better life um, experience overall, but perhaps treating the cancer. I don't know. Is that true? Do you, what do you think of that? Well, I was just at a large conference in Arizona on um, psychoactive plants, yep. and Friday was devoted to cannabis, mm-hmm. and um, Saturday was devoted to legal and research issues. Mm-hmm. And basically what we were told on Friday was that so far um, the studies show that cannabis is absolutely great for symptomatic relief of specific things like seizures and nausea and chronic pain and opioid Mm -hmm. addiction and post-traumatic stress, and we know the whole list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, chemotherapy pain, you know, pain from cancer. Great, 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 but symptomatic. Yeah, symptomatic, right? Symptomatic. Um, The the evidence for it um, curing cancer is non-existent. Yeah. Although there are a lot of anecdotes about it extending lifespan, but uh... yeah, that's what they are. I'm glad to hear you say that. Then ask you, like, what do you think of the Rick Simpson oil, which is like, it's such such high THC oil that people take? I mean, there's one man, Rick Simpson, who apparently cured his own 
cancer until he died of cancer. Um, but he he was taking these really high THC oils, and so he would just be out of it, and, and or the patient who's doing this would be, you know, really incapacitated until the until the effects of it became you became immune to it. But I, I just, you know my whole feeling about all of this is I just want to live in the moment. I want to enjoy my life and just like even juicing all day or or doing anything that sounded at all the least bit punitive to me or uncomfortable or made me feel like I was denying my some, myself something just did not gel with me. Well, I really like that, Beth. And the truth of the matter is that the people who are juicing are, as far as I'm concerned, really on the wrong path because mm-hmm. there are no, no nutrition available from any raw food and especially not from juice. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, you'd get better nutrition from a chocolate malt than you would from a, a raw juice. Susan, it's so confusing out there. I cannot tell you. You have to read uh, one of my chapters. It's called uh, The Nutritionist, um, The Nutritionist, the uh, Homeopath, and the Oncologist. You get them yes. all in a room together. What, yes. do you, what do you get? A mess. I can't, I mean, a mess, right? A mess. I mean, I go, I really tried every modality, and. Um, each one contradicts the other. It's like one person says, like, eat nothing. raw liver. The next person only cooks foods that are warm. <laughs> it's like, what? Come on. This is not a nutritionist. <sighs> they're all, I mean, but they're all, I mean, they're all different. They all have their different you know, modalities. And the, and, and the only thing I trust is acupuncture, acupuncture and massage. And, you know, I rely on those things and make make me feel good. Yes. Acupuncture, and I already mentioned those, right? Yeah, you sure did. You mentioned those two things. I felt so good about myself. I'm like, all right, I'm doing the right thing. Susan said so. Apologist <laughs> is going to say, yeah, massage and acupuncture, that doesn't work. But you're going to say, it sure does. Yeah, it does, because it feels good. And Yeah, I, I, I just trust acupuncture. Do you have to trust it for it to work? I don't know. Does it matter? Yes, it does. Okay. Does it? I used to we used to give my dog. He had really horrible arthritis, and we took him to do what, what's the is the name of the therapy where it's like you know you, you know so you put energy you put vials on the the joints, um, of like some kind of herb. What is that called? I'm not sure. Okay, well, so but but it, it's some kind of herb. Well, it was like uh, kinesiology when they like you know your arm like they put okay. a something on your arm or put put and if 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 you can't resist it then you're alert then you shouldn't have it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You indeed know about applied kinesiology. And yeah. it's, it's one of the techniques not to trust and do not Thank trust. Thank you. Oh, so glad. It is weird. How could you trust that? I mean, you want I want to trust something. That I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's not that it's weird. It's yeah, that okay. it show what it's purported to show. So here's what I do when I show people about applied kinesiology. I asked the group, I said, now, can we agree that that processed white sugar is not good for your health? And everybody goes, yes, processed white sugar is not good for your health. I said, okay. All right, now, I'm going to ask for a volunteer, and I have them put their arm out, and then I do a, you know, a muscle test. By yeah, muscle test. Press down, right, um, on their arm, and then I give them a bag of white sugar to hold. And I says, here's, here's this horrible poison, white sugar. Please hold it and let's, mu- let's muscle test. And, of course, their arm just, you know, can't resist at all. Right. And I take the bag of sugar away, and then I turn to everybody and I say, I have the greatest healing substance in the world right here in my hands, this bag of 
white sugar is going to heal miraculously any problem at all. And I turn around to the person and I say, here, you hold this miraculous healing substance, stick out your arm, and then I muscle test, and they are so strong. <laughs> and that was, yeah. So what are we testing? We are testing my belief system. Mm-hmm. We're testing the practitioner's belief system, not the patient's. Yeah. It does work, but it's kind of like through the looking glass. You're not seeing what you think you're seeing. I had mm-hmm. a whole a whole chapter on mind medicine. Pray for mind medicine. Mind medicine is very important. Heck? Well, let me ask you about that. Okay, so I I feel that I um, my target organ, ovaries, um, got cancer. I got cancer because I had um, a a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of mental illness, perhaps, around um, having a second child. And I obsessed over it and obsessed over it for about seven years. Well, when I found out I got cancer, I thought it was a little ironic because mm, there's no history of cancer in my family. And you get lineage all the way back. No, none. Um, and I thought, oh, God, well, welcome baby cancer. And it was like, it, I had a cancer target the organ that I was so obsessed with. So when people used to, would say to me or give me books at the very beginning that, you know, positivity heals cancer, I was pretty angry about that. Um, I wasn't angry about, at the world or at my diagnosis, but I didn't like the idea of that po- positivity is supposed to help you help cure cancer because that's a lot of pressure on somebody who's not feeling so great. Like, oh, God, I didn't survive because I wasn't feeling really positive or hopeful. But my question today is, because I am positive, if I caused my own cancer mentally, why couldn't I heal it mentally? So that's what I'm saying. The difficulty with mind medicine is that it tends to become a bit of a black hole and to suck people in. Mind medicine, faith medicine, placebo medicine, energy medicine. Certainly being positive affirmations, right? These are all very important part of the integrated healing process, but they are not the be all and the end all. And who says you caused your cancer? N- nobody, nobody says. But to me, I saw so many links. I mean, that's what I wanted to believe anyway. You know, at the beginning, um, it was an easy place for me to go and say, "Here is an energy. Uh, I don't have a name for it, but that said, you know, Beth, you wouldn't put this down. You just refuse to put this down. You're going to loop the rest of your life, whatever that is. So here's something that's going to make you put it down, and." Um, you have cancer, and guess what? I put it down <laughs> immediately. It was like overnight, clarity. And I tried everything for clarity. Trust me, every modality there is um, that at least I, that I could find, a lot of things I hadn't even heard of, and nothing could beat. I just couldn't claw my way out of that looping, that, that, that you know, I was just so mean to myself, you know, and um, uh, I didn't feel like I had control over it. But when I had the cancer, when I got cancer, it literally was, it, it woke me up. It was like, clarity, who thought it would come in, in the form of a death sentence? But there it is. 
So I think I told myself that. Nobody told me. My doctors would never. When I tell them that, they look at me like I'm crazy. Right. And so when my sisters say, you're not that powerful, you know, <laughs> you give yourself cancer. <laughs> hey, talk about putting pressure on somebody. <laughs> That's I'm good real. at that. It's you cause your cancer. Um, it, uh, really, the prerequisite to cancer is to be alive. So in that respect, <laughs> That's you know, true. certainly that is uh, part of it. Um, I really respect um, your very strong voice for hi. I am here right now. I am alive right now. And I am going to be focused on the now, um, not in a, a selfish mean way, in a way that's inclusive, that includes family, because I think that that is above and beyond the kind of positivity that you were talking about before. It's the real positivity, which is simply saying yes to life. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky. I was able to do that. I think a lot of people, when they are diagnosed with with any illness, they, they, they first, you know, they go through the stages of anger and, and fear. And I just didn't, I was actually grateful. Does that sound horrible? Not at all. It was new perspective. It gave me new perspective. It, and, and, yeah, and I, and I did, and, I, and you're right, I'm glad you said that, because I, first I was like, am I being selfish to say F it, you know, and I'm curse, but, um, you know, to say, you know, I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to take that trip, even if my husband's not doesn't want to come with me. But but at the same time, there's a sense of responsibility, and I would never do anything that that's going to outrightly you know hurt somebody. I want people to come along for the ride. But if they don't, then I'm also going to um, not second guess myself and be codependent necessarily. Hooray for you, Beth. Well, thank you. The cancer has said to you, "Hi, <laughs> let's live." Yep. True. And, and and you have you have stepped up to that challenge. You I know, have, but you know it's two years now, and I see and every once in a while something will like trickle in, like you know a, a piece of little doubt. <laughs> I'm like, no, that can't happen. But I'm still human. You are still human, and like all living things, you contain a life force which lives only in your physical body, begins with conception and ends with death, and a soul force, which moves from form to form and is timeless. And they don't have the same goals. Hmm. What's if the you, goal? <laughs> if, if you said the life force, oh dear, you have a terrible cancer, but we could cure it, You'd simply have to destroy all other life on the planet. Life Force would say, fine, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Soul Force would say, oh, well, why don't we just get another body if this one doesn't work? You know, I had something terrible to admit, but when I first um, was diagnosed, I felt like if... I felt like a lot of ways the cancer was there to to help me, right, spiritually. And I didn't want to be cured, except for the, of course, if the guilt. You know, I have a young, I have a, a young son and a husband and my my three sisters and my mom, and my dad. You know, people I, people I love and I, I want to be here for. But I wasn't ready to be cured. Maybe because I thought it was like a name only. <laughs> you know, like I have cancer, name only. Because I presented pretty healthy. 
even through all the infusions. But I thought if I didn't have that reminder so close at hand that I wouldn't keep striving or that, that I, did, I wanted the spiritual, I wanted my new life force to stick so that I would be okay once that threat was gone. And I wouldn't return to old habits. Wow. I just realized that I have been so carried away with your story, um, Beth, that I inconsiderately, I'm not asking you to tell the listeners where they can get your book. Oh, yeah, sure. No, um, it's available on Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Apple, and in uh, some bookstores, book they have it at actually nearby in, in Woodstock, Inquiring Minds and New Pulse, and, and hopefully it will start, start carrying them in other bookstores. You could ask for it. Why, did, why didn't I notice her before by Beth Kramer with a C? And do you um, do a blog or a newsletter? Or oh, anything? glad you asked. Yeah, no, I do have a blog, um, uh, and it's at BethKramer.com. That's C-R-A-M-E-R.com. Okay. I've been blogging. Continue this discussion because we are you out. you got to go. <laughs> I'm, oh, my goodness. What would you like to leave in the hearts and minds of everybody listening to you tonight, Beth Kramer? Well, um, I think but, you know, what we were talking about was like, you know what? Don't second-guess your instincts and pay attention to the signs because I just see them everywhere. And I think also it helps a whole lot for me, anyway, if you can accept that things happen for a reason. Beth Kramer, thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And hey, Rebecca and Justine coming your way down in Costa Rica soon. We're keeping herbal medicine out there as people's medicine. Green blessings, happy holidays to everybody, joyous solstice, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and any other holiday that you celebrate. Just a couple of lunar eclipses coming up, the next new moon, and then the full moon after that. Lots of stuff to celebrate. Green blessings are everywhere. Enjoy. Good night. Happy holidays, everyone. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.